Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex, and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery, and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying, I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them. And um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you, know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. Being big-chested is a common and sometimes embarrassing problem for some women. So this series, we're diving into breast reductions. This includes covering what the process is, how it can help, and every step along the way. And on hand again today, we have our experts Richard and Kim from Replastic Surgery. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Alex. Hi, Alex. All right, well, let's kick it off. Richard, um, let's talk about the problems that big breasts can cause. I'm sure they probably already know, but let's go through them and see. Sure. They cause a multitude of problems. So women with large breasts get a lot of neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain. Then on top of that, because the breasts are hanging down below the fold, they get a lot of sweating and rashes underneath the breast. Then there's a whole lot of limitations on the types of clothes that they can buy. So often problems buying bras, can't get bras, in from regular stores, have to go to specialised stores, often need to wear multiple bras, clothing, can't get clothing that fits uh, across their breast diameter as well as across their waist. And then there's all the problems of regular living, so being able to do sport, uh, carry out other tasks, being able to run, play tennis, whatever, all, all of those things get limited uh, by, by heavy breasts, by the weight of the breasts, as mm. well as the, the shape of the breasts. And do you find that women usually go for, for a long period of time, years before they finally decide that it is something that they want to do? It's surprisingly not uncommon. So uh, women often have delayed it for one reason or another, often maybe because of fear, maybe not knowing. And, and this, this is where social media has been so great because it's opened up uh, this world for women, they can find out a lot more about it, but they often have it done. And in the recovery room, I don't understand why I didn't do this 20 years ago. Mm. And Kim, what do you find? Does does breast reduction fix the majority of the problems that these women experience? Absolutely. Uh, it's one of those operations where even in the recovery room, patients immediately feel the um, discomfort that they had from before is relieved. Um, it literally is a weight off their shoulders and they can tell that from um, immediately post-operatively. So even though they're recovering from the surgical discomfort, which really isn't severe, but they, they can feel that the weight and the dragging down um, has gone completely. Do you find that women, obviously there's a stigma around uh, around breast implants and, and different surgeries. Do you find that women that are getting reductions also feel a little bit of that stigma? Probably not so much. You know, it's more just the whole general stigma maybe that they're having plastic surgery. Mm. Um, I think most women understand that the benefits of of the surgery and offering often the long-term suffering that uh, that these women have had for the majority of their life. Uh, so I, you generally find most people are supportive. 
Um, the interesting thing with the symptoms, and I totally agree with what Kim, Kim has said, the, the relief is almost instantaneous, but it, it's not just the weight. It's also the shape. So uh, it doesn't, the, the symptom relief doesn't uh, necessarily correlate with the weight, obviously. It doesn't only correlate with the weight. So if you lose, obviously, a kilo off each side, that's significant. But there's a whole lot of women who, who get significant symptom relief, even if you reduce the breasts by 300 grams or mm. 400 grams because you lift the the breast up off the chest so that their bra's not having to do so much work to keep the breast up above the fold. And does this in generally improve their posture as well? Oh, en- enormously. I often say to patients that it's there's generally medical indication to do the surgery so because of their pain and um, the symptoms that Richard has described. But um, the aim is to still give them a, a cosmetic outcome. So whilst you're aiming to relieve the pain and um, you're not just purely trying to make the breast smaller, you're trying to make them um, look aesthetically pleasing as well, having um, all the tissue where it belongs, which is above the level of the fold and having the nipple on a natural anterior point of the breast rather than sitting really low. Mm. So that's something that we were going to chat about was proportion. How important is that when doing the operation? It's really significant. And we always talk in cup sizes for breast, but it's it's quite a difficult thing to discuss ultimately because there's no standard measure for what a A or B or C cup is. And so the discussion is often around that, but with the thoughts that really it's a, it's a in proportion to the patient is how I think about it and whether it's like quite small in proportion or a bit larger in proportion. So I generally try to talk patients out of going larger than a double D in their reduction because there's still going to be significant weight in their breasts that's um, then going to drop and still give them a lot of the similar symptoms. Conversely, if someone wants to go really, really small from really big, like that's such a huge jump like if, if they come in saying I want to be an A cup like we really spend quite a lot of time talking about that to see if, is that really what they want or they just want something that's significantly smaller than where they're already at. If you go that dramatic is it something that they can later on change or is it really important to get the size right first? Um, ultimately y- you can do more surgeries um, but you're really aiming to get it right the first time. So there is a lot of discussion that we have in the um, preoperative consult which which may be meeting the patient more than one time and sometimes you can even do some 3D imaging to give them an idea of where they're aiming for uh, on, on their own images but also I show patients photos of a various different sizes of previous patients and just the other thing about proportion is that often we think about breasts in terms of the heaviness and where that, how low they sit. But most of these women and girls have breasts that are really broad and really wide on their chest as well and often sit well out kind of under their armpit. And so the aim is to make them smaller in every dimension um, so that they fit on their body. Mm. Yeah. So it really is life-changing. Do we find women that are getting it very young? Absolutely. I've operated on patients of all ages, but it's becoming increasingly more common um, that I'm seeing girls even in their teenage years. Um, and in fact, this morning I just operated on um, someone who's who's a teenager and it's a long consultation process and their mum or a parent or a sibling is usually heavily involved in discussing that with them because uh, having 
make a decision to have this type of surgery at a very young age does have impact on other things in their future, possibly sensation, uh, possibly the ability to breastfeed. Mm. Um, but a lot of these girls or women may not be able to breastfeed anyway if their breasts are so so large. Mm. Um, so I'm certainly seeing an increasing proportion of patients in their late teens and in their early 20s. And my main aim then is to make sure that we're doing the right operation, obviously, on a patient that really needs it and is, um, understands all the pros and cons, but also to make sure that they've finished growing because I don't want to be operating on someone that's 16 or 17 or even earlier than that is very, very unlikely because their breasts are still likely to be growing a little bit. So yes, we can do further operations down the track, but the the aim is not to do a a reduction at one age and then two or three years later have to repeat it again. Richard, what do you think on that? No, I just want to touch on, Kim's just talking about revision surgery, but it just reminded me, I often hear of older patients who had this operation 10, 20 years ago, and they talk about their breasts having regrown after the surgery and having to have multiple revisions. Um, Apart from the group that Kim's referring to when they're younger patients, and there's definitely benefits to do it at that age, even though they may still grow, although it's usually have waited until that's pretty much stopped. I think the regrowing related from decades ago related more to the style of surgery uh, and so it's an operation that the technique has changed quite dramatically mm. over the last 10 years. And the, the regrowing wasn't so much the breast tissue regrowing. It doesn't, breast tissue really grows it during puberty, pregnancy, and sometimes during menopause. But mm-hmm. apart from those times, it doesn't really change all that much unless you have significant weight fluctuations. But it was, I think the regrowing, and it kind of predates our practices, but it was more of a bottoming out of the lower pole of the breast, mm-hmm. which used to sag, and so and people interpreted that as regrowing. It wasn't really regrowing. It was just Is that the, more the natural aging process. No, no, it? it was the technique where we used to surgeons used to leave the breast tissue based uh, at the lower part of the breast rather than the upper part of the breast, which we do now, and so all the weight was hanging down in the bottom part, so it would stretch that skin from the nipple to the fold. Mm. So they'd get what's called pseudotosis or bottoming out, and and they referred to that as regrowing. But I, I actually don't think the breast tissue was actually re- growing back. It's more that it's just losing the good initial shape that it had. Mm. So the way we do it now is leave the tissue attached more so at the top or superiorly to try and keep that shape high because um, that's that's where the breast tissue belongs. <laughs> do most women that come to you know this before they come? Do they go and do their own research about the different techniques or do you find that they come with no knowledge at all? I, it's very rare these days for a patient to come for anything and, and not be quite well researched because there's just so much information that's available. The main thing I think where people get, there's basically two main techniques and it comes down to really the scars. So we both do what's called the inverted T technique, where there's a scar in the fold, a vertical scar from the nipple to the fold, and a scar around the nipple. There are other people who do what's called the lollipop scar, which is a scar just around the nipple, and then um, a a long uh, vertical scar down to the fold, but no scar in the fold. The problem we both have with that, that technique, the lollipop technique, is that it doesn't give a very aesthetic shape. They tend to be too long in the lower pole 
uh, the nipples tend to sit too low. And ultimately, it's really hard to get an adequate reduction, particularly in really big breasts. And and they often end up with what's called a dog ear at the lower end of the, the scar, mm. which you don't get with the inverted T shape. Yep. So it's this discussion of whether you compromise your shape and aesthetic result to, minute, to have one less scar that no one actually sees because it's sitting in the fold or you accept that the scars are what the scars are and you're aiming to get the best shape. And we both sit on the side of the fence that let's just get the best shape um, because the scars, I can't ever recall a patient having a breast reduction who's been uh, put off by the scars mm. after the operation. Yeah. And most of them, once they've made the decision that this is the surgery that I need and want, um, are very accepting of the scars. And the one, the scar that's the most visible, I believe, is the one that's around the outside of the areola. And you can't do any type of lift or reduction without having a scar there. So the other ones are hidden on the lower part of the breast. And as Richard said, um, really difficult to see that one in the fold. Now, you did touch on this just before, but um, I guess a lot of people are interested. How big have you, well, how much breast have you actually removed? What's the biggest that you could say? I think uh, Kim's the clubhouse leader in this one, so <laughs> I'll defer to her. Uh, my biggest is about two kilos each side. Of but removal? I, yes, but I think wow. she's got me covered. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've had one patient this year, a, a girl in her 20s actually, who had a total of seven kilos off her chest. And I've had another patient who's had about six and a half kilos in total. Wow. Um, off. And I, I've had a number that are in the around the three kilo um, per breast mark, so six kilos in total off. So, like, how how they carry the, that around. And I, I often actually say to patients that have a partner or a husband or someone that's questioning their decision to have the surgery, mm. I'll say to them, go tell your loved one that doesn't understand why you're requesting the surgery to go and get even a one kilo dumbbell or a one kilo weight two of those, tie that around the neck and walk around for even 10 minutes with the feel, the weight of that on your shoulders and your, then they totally understand why these women are wanting to go down this path. To do it, yeah. Well, that's an interesting point. You do touch on, on um, family and partners and their involvement in it. Do you find that in this particular operation that there is a big involvement from family in most cases? or I find there's a big involvement in all the surgery. So you you know, we would never do an operation where it's a secret from their, their closest family. I think they're going to find out. Yeah, they're going to work it out pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's not uncommon for them to come to the consultation. They obviously, someone has to pick them up and it's, it's usually their nearest and dearest. So I, I find the, the partners are extraordinarily supportive because they see the benefits and they, they, they understand the concerns that their partners have and they they want the best for them. So, uh, yeah, they're always very supportive. Mm. Now back to the, the size issue, we've obviously gone through proportion, um, but, and, and the fact that you get photos and kind of get an idea of the look, but what's your advice to people when they're trying to decide what size to go to? Um, I would say have a look at, um, images online and certainly on our website, we've got, um, before and afters and, there's, there's plenty and there's often that you can find someone that's about the same size as you beforehand um, and have a look at what you like as a final result as well. Obviously, no no two women 
his breasts are exactly the same and, and commonly no patients the the two breasts that they have are not the same either um but to even go to a, a store and find a bra that they like the look of obviously it's going to be impossible to try that on beforehand but yeah having having a think and look at and also the the goals of what they the, the main symptoms that they have and what they want to achieve. Uh, like if someone's very, very sporty, um, then, you know, erring probably on the slightly smaller side is would be more ideal. More comfortable. Yeah. Richard, what is your, what is your thoughts on that? Look, I think if you, I mean, it's much easier to uh, understand what it's, going to be like going bigger because you can put things into a bra and get an idea. Um, so you can't obviously remove any breast tissue before you have your surgery. But if you're trying to visualize it, it's that the tissue that we're removing is the tissue that sits below the fold. So if you sort of kind of, you know, sort of uh, take that out of the breast and what's left is is pretty much what um, the sh- the shape is, although as Kim was saying before, it's going to be narrower, but that's kind of the, the tissue that's left. Mm. Um, and then if you sort of do that and then you still feel that's too, too big, then we can actually then remove more tissue from the sides as well. So that kind of would be the easiest way to, and often in a consultation, you know, that's what we'll sort of demonstrate to them. Do you ever have women come back in and, and get more taken off? Uh, Pretty rare. Um, the main time would be if there's some residual asymmetry, which is problematic. So, you know, we've said it, I think, before, sisters, not twins, so they're never exactly the same. Um, but if you do the surgery and for whatever reason in the healing process, it's, there's ended up a significant difference where it's difficult with bras or clothes, then you might do some surgery to even uh, one side up. The more asymmetric they are to start with, the the more challenging it is to have them as close as possible afterwards. Mm. There's no magic investigation or X-ray or MRI really to accurately estimate how much breast tissue you need to remove from one side to the other to match them up. So the closest you can get is to match up all of your incisions so that the incision around the areola is the same. The incision from the areola down to the fold is the same. And the incision in the fold is the same. And then it kind of follows from that, that you're then going to be left at the same size. Mm. But it, you don't exactly know what volume. And often when they're asymmetric, it's not so much that the volume is different. It's the shape is different. So you might have asymmetric breasts, but you might remove the same amount of tissue uh, and then they end up the same. So there's a lot of judgment and I don't like calling it art because it just sounds so <laughs> So bad, this is on the table when that's happening, yeah, you're kind of, yeah. Yeah, a lot, yeah. yeah. And even the planning is quite precise. Patients are marked up before they go off to sleep. We use a measuring tape and everything's measured so that the most important thing is what's left behind is symmetrical um, rather than what's removed. Mm. Um and just in terms of revision, in the last 10 years, I think I've had one patient that I've taken back to theatre to take a little bit more off. She was very symmetrical. She was actually very happy, but she was still, I feel like I'm just not quite small enough to where I want to be. Mm. Um, I've had an, 
a number of patients that have a bit of a roller coaster ride in the few weeks after their surgery, particularly if, if they've had quite a large amount of tissue removed. Is that mentally or physically? Uh, a bit of both. So they go from quite large um, and the shape is quite different and tight and perky and high initially after the surgery. So um, I can think of two patients in, in the last uh, probably two months really who have come back at the first and their second week appointments and kind of freaking out a little bit. Oh my, you know, I think I'm too small. I think I'm too small. And then at six weeks, they're ecstatically happy and just like, oh my God, this is, this is great. Mm. Um, so it, it is a massive change to go through, particularly if you're removing, you know, even 500 grams, but if you're removing like upward of one kilo um, off of each side, it, it's a, it, it really dramatic is a, difference. A, a dramatic difference. Yeah. yeah. So it does, it does take a bit of getting used to. Well, this brings us to, do you have patients ever that regret downsizing? No. Um, they, these, these women are very committed to, to surgery. And as Kim was alluding to earlier, it's one of those operations that is not only a massive functional benefit, it's also a massive aesthetic benefit. Uh, and in terms of the, uh, the, how the surgery has changed, one of the big changes is to have, make the breast a really nice breast. And I think in an earlier episode, Kim mentioned that the end result, whether you're having an augmentation or a reduction is kind of the same breast shape. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, I don't think it was like that. So I, don't, I can't think of the patient that either of us have had who've re regretted uh, having the surgery. I agree. In the last series, we did discuss about women that are looking at going bigger, want to go braless. Is it the same with women that are going smaller? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not quite 100%, but yeah, very, very common. Um, that'll be one of the first things that I'll write down um, after neck pain, shoulder pain. Um, would love to not have to wear a bra. Um, a lot of these patients are sleeping in the bra, wearing two bras during the day, two, three bras to for sport. So yeah, absolutely. That's the goal. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the, so again, the social media contributions has been these hashtags, braless cleavage. So that's definitely a, a, an aim of people uh, or, or they talk about the French look, which is sort of a very, quite a small breast. The key being, so the braless cleavage you create by not having any breast tissue hanging below the fold and, and maintaining as much of the inner part of the breast that you can. Um, and the breast tissue you're moving is the breast tissue below the fold or out to the side. Um, but yeah, that, that's everyone, that's mm. what everyone wants. Yeah. And mentally, do women um, feel better after getting the surgery? 100%. Uh, it, it's genuinely life-changing from recovery, from the recovery room. Uh, they've, they've often you know, had many, many years of, of physical limitations and embarrassment trying clothes on and bras on or not being able to go to stores that all their friends can go to. Uh, and it's been very limiting. And then all of a sudden, overnight, they've got the breast shape they want, relieved of neck, back, shoulder, pain, or rashes and irritation from the skin rubbing, all gone. Uh, so, yeah, that has a mental benefit as well. Can a, can a woman get it done at any age? And is there any women that are not good candidates for a breast reduction? I would say... The easy answer to the first part of that is yes, any age, as long as 
the breasts have stopped growing. So uh, I mentioned that before. So as long as they've completed their puberty. And then I've certainly operated on women in their um, 60s and I, I think probably a 70-year-old as well. So, um, less common because they usually would have gone through with their surgery before that point. Um, the main reason not to perform surgery would be if there were medical indications, if they were um, had significant um, medical problems. Um, and smoking is the other absolute no-no. So um, if someone's smoking, they need to have... Uh, have stopped for at least six weeks before the surgery and follow through for another six weeks afterwards because that has a massive impact on wound healing. And the other indication for not offering someone surgery would be if they were um, massively obese, um, hugely overweight. Uh, so th- that can have a big impact on wound healing as well. Do you find with those people that they can lose weight and come back or is it...? it it's, a, it's a hard balance because sometimes the huge breasts have an impact on the ability to lose weight um, for sure but I would always recommend that someone gets as close to their goal weight as possible Um, and if they can't and they're still wanting to pursue it then it's a discussion of the risks um, that that are definitely increased uh, in Mm. those patients. Well, look, this has been very interesting, Kim and Richard. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We've kind of touched on surgery, which is what we're going to go into the next episode. We'll take a deep dive for everyone that wants to know what happens behind the scenes. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow RE on social media. If you want to put any questions to our experts or join the conversation, head on over to our RE Girls Facebook group.